Welcome to episode 50B of the Search with Candor podcast recorded on Friday the 28th of February 2020. My name is Mark Williams-Cook and I'm again joined by PPC expert Mr. Rob Lewis. Hello. And as you can probably tell, it's the second time we have had a B episode, which means that we recorded 30 minutes of brilliant podcast a moment ago and our beautiful open source Audacity software failed to save and did so crash. So here we are again, Rob, episode 50, obviously our lucky episode. And today we're going to be talking about Google cracking down on guest posts and how Rob is dealing with fake, dubious and crap traffic with PPC. So I was I was saying in the first recording, the first time around, that 50 does feel like a bit of a milestone for us. I remember I, I can't I think it was episode five. Um, I was really happy when we did that recording because most podcasts, it's like 70, 80 percent of podcasts, do four or five episodes, and then that's kind of it. They kind of trail off, and it doesn't. It's been pretty much a year. It doesn't doesn't feel like it does. Doesn't it? yeah. it's it's gone really quick. I think episode 100 will be the the big milestone for me at least so we're we're at least a year away from that in the future but i hope things keep going as they do uh, i released some stats actually the other day for the podcast really happy we surpassed i think it was 5000 listens on the episodes which is really cool so it's averaging over 100 listens per episode which i'm really really happy about so first thing we want to talk about is Google guest posting crackdown. So this is an article I actually haven't seen talked about that much in the SEO community. I spotted it on Search Engine Journal. They did some nice coverage of this. And it was essentially around, there's been a the, like a swathe of publishers reporting they've been getting manual actions from Google to do with guest posting. So this particular publisher on Search Engine Journal reported, it's possibly paraphrased, the manual action email that said, we have detected that some of your articles are guest posts. We have disabled your authority for your outbound links. Please set your outbound links to no follow and submit a review request. And apparently this is this has now been a whole host, as I said, of publishers that have uh, experienced this. I think it's worth going back and checking just specifically what Google says in their webmaster guidelines about guest posting. Uh, I'll put a link to this in the show notes at search.withcanda.co.uk. But if you just Google Google Webmaster Guidelines, you'll get up uh, their page and one of the topics they have on there is link schemes. So if you click on link schemes, this will go through the whole list of things Google doesn't want you to do uh, in terms of links. So it's got all the obvious stuff on there, like, you know, don't buy and sell links, don't do excessive link exchanges. But what they specifically say around uh, guest posting is quite interesting. So they say they don't want you to, to participate in large-scale article marketing or guest posting campaigns with keyword-rich anchor text links. 
So the, the keyword rich anchor text links, I mean, that's something that really, I think, got the final, final nail in the coffin with the original Penguin update from Google. So the Penguin update was really targeting what Google was deeming as link spam. And what SEOs were finding prior to this is we know that search engines use anchor text, which is the link the text within a link to determine what the following page of content is about. Therefore, when people used to link build, they used to focus on getting, you know, what I call the money keywords, this, or Google's referring to as this keyword rich anchor text. So whereas a user, internet user naturally might link to a website just by pasting the URL, or they might just use the brand name, these links had a high frequency of, you know, like buy car insurance or whatever the search term was they were targeting. And it, it really did work. And it was actually how the, what were what were called the original kind of Google bombing was working. Uh, we had a quick discussion about this in uh, in our version A episode. So the, the first example I think I saw go mainstream was uh, when a bunch of SEOs managed to get the George Bush biography page to rank number one in Google for miserable failure. <laughs> um, I don't think you'd seen this, had you? I when when it came out, yeah. So, And this was achieved basically through lots of websites linking to this page with the anchor text, miserable failure. And we, we, we saw this actually happen a, you know, a few times when even outside the SEO community, kind of people got wind of, oh, this is how this works. Uh, they would do that because it would kind of override in some way some of the other weaker on-page signals and just kind of force that page to rank. So that's like a really common thing that used to happen. Obviously, this is really easy for Google to spot and it was one of the things definitely that we saw the, the Penguin algorithm update kind of really hammer down on, which is if you've got these you know ridiculous link profiles where you know even 30, 40, 50 or even more ridiculous like 70 80 90 percent of the incoming links you've got have got these key phrases and they're going to deep internal pages that's just not how people are naturally linking on the web so it, it really sticks out for for google the the search engine journal article going back to that it it talks about whether google is issuing these manual actions for guest post articles or specifically for guest post articles that are paid uh, or guest post articles, you know, that are over-optimized. The warning email received from Google states it was a manual action specifically about paid guest articles. However, the publisher, and this is kind of where it got really interesting for me, the publisher reported that their site doesn't mention they accept guest posts. So the first thing, conclusion we can draw from that is Google has figured that out, right? What Google has apparently also done is of the various guest posts on the site, so the publisher said they'd only done 15 guest posts in the last quarter, so that's like the last four months. So it's not many guest posts, but Google had also managed to work out which sites were the ones benefiting from the guest posts despite there being multiple links within those guest posts. So what the, the kind of tactic 
some SEOs use is when they're supplying these these guest posts, they will link to the website, the client, whoever that they want to improve the ranking for. But they'll also include a bunch of links to other websites in an attempt to kind of camouflage who is the beneficiary of, of this link. But it does appear from the feedbacks Google given that Google's given that they've worked that out. And I think that's really interesting. So to me, without doing like a massive investigation on this, what it would suggest is that Google is using this cross-sectional data from other sites to work that out. So there's obviously been some kind of pattern that this particular site is appearing maybe on, on several dozens of lower quality sites mixed in with seemingly random other links. And, and Google has actually worked that out. I think this is, you know, interesting if you are as an individual freelancer, an agency, whoever relying or using, you know, guest posting as something in your in your arsenal. So for those that maybe haven't done it before, you know, guest posting in, an, in a nutshell is basically you've probably had it if you own a website where you've received an email and some very kind person is offering um, some highly relevant content that's going to be very interesting to your visitors about some vague connection to the topic your site's about. And the deal is normally they will provide you with content, which ideally your site can rank for, but their benefit is they're getting some links for that. And this is what Google doesn't want you doing on like a industrial scale. Obviously, occasionally guest posting on other good sites is fine. But this warning, I think, does start to draw the focus on maybe one of the few things I know lots of other agencies are doing uh, as a as a like day to day month to month SEO tactic that hasn't been really stamped down on hard before. Search Engine Journal's reporting they've had quite a few people say this has happened to them. I certainly know um, personally of some other agencies that have had these kind of notices as well. So it does look like there there is a shift there. So definitely something to keep your eye on. If you are doing guest posting, maybe if you don't have one, it's time to start working on your plan B, plan C and plan D. Okay, we're going to talk about some PPC now, which is why you're here with us, Rob, our resident PPC expert. And you're going to talk to us about display traffic, traffic quality, fake traffic, dubious traffic, suspicious, and, and just crap yeah, traffic. Yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, this is all about display advertising this particular part and I'm a big fan of display advertising um, I think it's a great channel it's really fun to work on it's a good way of reaching a lot of people in a short space of time and for raising your brand's awareness it's it's a really good channel to work on for that sort of thing but one of the things I found over the last year is that the cost per click has just skyrocketed to the point where sometimes it's just not even worth doing um, and I think this is mostly in part because Google is automatically opting advertisers, specifically newer advertisers, into display advertising. And a lot of them don't even know that they're running display adverts. And in fact, when we audit pay-per-click accounts from people who manage their accounts internally, 
one of the first things we check is whether they've been opted into display and whether their search campaigns are running on a display network. I mean, that's something we cover in, in a lot of the PPC, like fundamental courses we do, isn't it? So we're trying to make people aware, maybe as the first step until they master it to start on the search network. Because we, I mean, I know we've discussed this before. There's a lot of those default options when you set up Google ads accounts that it's sometimes better to kind of dance around rather than just let leaving all the boxes checked, right? Absolutely. And the thing with display advertising is that it is upper funnel advertising. So there's always that expectation that conversion rates are going to be lower. And in the past, we used to run display advertising with the expectation that the conversion rate would be lower than the search, far lower than search. But with cost per clicks that used to average between one and three P or a few cents per click, it really didn't matter. It was swings and roundabouts. It was low conversion, but with a low cost per click, you could typically get a good CPA, a good, a good return on an ad spend from it. Um, but um, the other month I was looking at a display account and noticed that there was um, a website that generated, there was a placement on a display network that generated a click and it was a cost per click of £30. And it was a really crap website for lack of a, <laughs> you know, just to be blunt about that it. Is a, that's wild. That's, yeah. that is expensive. It is. And um, I mean, the average cost per click on that campaign wasn't £30 or it wasn't even yeah. £10. It was... But it was a, it was around the one pound fifty mark, and a lot of the um, a lot of the clicks were from sites like that, and and that's something that I see a lot. Not necessarily the thirty pound cost per click, but just dubious traffic from dubious sources. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the types of campaigns that I see this most frequently in are lead generation campaigns that are running display advertising. And I see a lot of fake leads being generated and fake goals. And I think this tends to happen because um, a lead is being generated, but when you examine the lead, when you look at the actual content of the inquiry, it's either gobbledygook, just complete random arrangement of characters in the, uh, in the actual message, or it's just spam. And um, and so I see that a lot with lead generation campaigns. And in fact, if you're running a lead generation campaign or your pay-per-click managers reporting to you that your display campaigns are generating the highest percentage of leads, then I would just make sure that you or your pay-per-click manager reconciles the actual lead itself that you received um, with the source of that inquiry. And if you're finding that you're getting a lot of spam, then... The biggest, um, the biggest source is likely going to be from the display network. Um, I mean, that, that's really interesting because obviously the display network clicks are coming from Google's uh, inventory of advertisers. So generally, this is going to be made up from websites who have signed up for and opted in to the Google AdSense program, and that, you know they're running ads for Google. And I know there used to be a lot of kind of ad spam. So, we, you know, we call them MFAs, which were made for AdSense websites where people would, you know, spin out low quality content. The idea being just to pick up some search traffic, uh, jam them full of ads and actually kind of make the site unhelpful almost. So people would click on the ads and Google did combat this with uh, they had smart pricing, which was trying to look at the value of the clicks that websites were generating. So I think the theory was 
if they worked out, well, you know, your site generates junk traffic for advertisers, what we're going to do is actually pay you less per click and reduce that cost per advertiser. So it's interesting when you say that um, you we see this kind of fake or dubious traffic generating, you know, form fills, goals, that kind of thing. Because it does make me think maybe this is part of this operation some people are running where they're generating fake clicks and they know if they send some traffic from their site through Google uh, AdSense and it then converts, Google may think, well, actually, this is good traffic. I can then therefore charge the advertiser more and therefore that site gets more money per click. Yeah. It's a really interesting point, actually. And, I'm, uh, and it's not just the lead volume that is a good indicator of a high quality website it's also engagement metrics as well which i'll touch on in a little bit because it's relevant um but um one of the things i've noticed is that these fake leads that do happen unfortunately on a display work network i've seen it happen more frequently since google introduced the pay for conversions model where you only pay if a conversion is being generated and i think the first time i was um able to run that type of campaign um i did in fact, run it on a website that didn't have a capture form in place. And the next morning, uh, there were hundreds of conversions on this <laughs> campaign. And thankfully, I managed to get a refund from Google on that case because the, the cost was high. But it obviously shows that is some is intentional activity. This isn't like some stray bots accidentally doing it. This yeah. is like intentional activity. Absolutely. And, and alongside this, I think you mentioned it as well in a, in a previous episode a while back, uh, Google removed the ability and correct me if I got this wrong to exclude mobile apps from advertising is That's that right? right when you're targeting mobile you can exclude mobile users but you can't mm. exclude mobile apps so in most cases you want to target mobile people on their mobile they account for the vast majority of traffic but you don't necessarily want to run your adverts on a mobile app because well <laughs> the the chance of crap traffic is a lot higher <laughs> for a mobile app um dubious traffic accidental clicks yeah. Um, I was going to say accidental clicks must be high because, yeah. you know, I've I've accidentally clicked on ads because, you know, mount, desktop and mouse, you've got kind of precision there. My bumbly thumbs on an app, you know, I've, you know, I've clicked on ads before and I'm not exactly what you would call a, you know, a, a technophobe or a, mm. a new user to these things. So if I'm doing it, I assume there must be lots of other people doing it. Absolutely. And, and you know, Google does have an invalid clicks um, system where it looks at clicks that it thinks are accidental. Um, but, you know, it's not it's not bulletproof, you know, and I, I've, I've proven that it's not by looking at analytics accounts and by looking at clicks that matched with obviously fake traffic. So they don't always know when it's a fake Have you fake seen trick. any trends in like types of apps or anything like that that, that cause that yes, kind of traffic? absolutely. And I'm sure people listening here will smile when they hear me mention these two words. If you manage display accounts, that is. Um, uh, torch flash, flashlight apps, yeah. um, probably one of the biggest uh, accidental <laughs> click type apps, which makes sense. You know, who, who uses an app in the pitch black dark? When and this is like a buy bulbs app there's that yeah <laughs> emergency I mean, bulb yeah if you are um if you do sell bulbs get in touch <laughs> yeah. we can help um and the other type of uh placement that i always see is vpns so virtual private That's networking placements they're the first things i always have to exclude or when any, i'm taking over someone's account any idea why i, can, I mean i can see like torch apps you know 
ad placement where the on and off is is this to do with like what free vpns that maybe have ads close to the connect button i or think, something? think or? There are, another way of looking at it is the actual person knows what they're doing and they're influencing clicks perhaps and using vpns maybe i don't know there's one that's one possible reason okay. and the other as you say is the placement yeah, yeah that's interesting um so Basically, this is this is really rife on the display network, and it's a problem I face every day on every display account that I'm running. I'm sure other advertisers know what it's like when you need to run a mobile campaign and you're constantly excluding poor quality mobile apps or just poor quality placements that you don't want your ads to run on. That's been going on for years, to be fair. Um, but one of the things I've noticed, aside from that, is that there are three... I guess main types of fake traffic that I consistently see and which I've managed to narrow down through segmentation in Google Analytics. So I can easily just run a report and see uh, the prevalence of fake traffic essentially. And this is just part of my day-to-day optimization when I'm managing a display campaign. And the first type of fake traffic that I see are comprises users who have only ever visited through display campaigns but yet have visited the website multiple times through display. So they may visit your website 10, 20, sometimes in excess of 50 times just through display advertising and through no other channel. I mean, we were saying this doesn't even make sense in terms of if you try and think of how a user might do that. So if they've seen a display ad on a website, you know, the odds of them thinking, oh, what was that website? Well, I remember I saw the display ad on this site. If they go back to that site, because that site is just showing normally the rotation of Google inventory. The the odds of you seeing that ad again are quite low. So again, that points me towards this is intentional activity possibly by the site owner to to generate this traffic. Absolutely. It's not even normal human shopping or browsing behavior either because normally what you see from analytics data is if someone has high intent to purchase or generate a lead and they've discovered you from display advertising... Sure, they may not necessarily just visit you the one time. They may visit you multiple times, but they will visit you through multiple channels. The initial channel will likely be display if that's your acquisition channel. And then they will revisit you perhaps later on in the day or a few days later to actually generate that lead. But they may do that directly, organically, or through a pay-per-click search advert. So it will never, very, very rarely will it ever just be through display. I mean, there are some situations, but the data that I have shows it's very very low um so that's the first type of um dubious traffic that um that i segment into and the second type comprises what i call fake high engaged users so these are users who um, arrive on your website through display advertising but and they only ever visit one page on your website so they don't browse to any other page yet they exhibit a high average session duration and low bounce rate or zero percent bounce rate which is obviously impossible and the only way that that can happen is if someone were to visit your website sit on the page for about two or three minutes and then refresh or somehow reload the page again or i guess yeah it's unlikely but if you had some event you could trigger an analytics but they don't they're not going to know that through bot traffic so the refresh is getting the extra hit in that session absolutely yeah um so when you're running a new display advertising campaign or when you're 
just optimizing for any reason for engagement, the pay-per-click manager is going to divert traffic to the placements that have the highest engagement. So that is why you get that type of fake traffic um, because it will stop you from excluding it regardless of whether it's generated a lead or not. And the third type of common fake traffic I've already mentioned is um, traffic through display that generates fake leads. And you'll you'll know, you can identify these quite easily because you'll have, say, um, a placement generate one user visit the site and they've generated five or six leads or or <laughs> or they do. visited six <laughs> times and generated six leads and it's the same user um which is just again it, it could happen it's unlikely it could happen but it doesn't happen very often and it, it's not necessarily a fake traffic instantly but it's definitely a red flag and it needs to be looked into and you need to have a look and see what types of websites that are driving traffic to a site are doing that because the likelihood is it's crap traffic, essentially. So as I understand, uh, you've put together your own kind of tool that collates this information and, and highlights it for you? I have, yes. Um, and it's been really useful and I've been running it on all of my active clients and it's it's really saved me a lot of time. And that's, that's why I put it together is because I spent so much time filtering out poor quality traffic, identifying where... Um, the biggest um, offenders are in terms of low quality traffic and which ones are potentially the highest quality that I thought I need to streamline this. I need to speed up time and spend more time actually um, optimizing the account rather than analyzing what's crap essentially. So that's why I came up with the tool. And essentially in a nutshell, it works by using a weighted scoring system. It analyzes all of the traffic that's been directed to your website through display activity. It looks at all of the placements and it assesses the prevalence of the three different fake traffic types I've mentioned. Um, obviously the more, um, the higher percentage of fake traffic coming from one website is, you know, that's something's wrong with that placement. You need to look at it or exclude it. Um, it looks at the volume of traffic that the placements received as well and, and the algorithm factors that in, which is really important because um, a placement may have generated one or two visits, generated one fake traffic. That's a really high percentage of fake traffic, but actually it's not enough data to go on. Yeah. Um, so it <laughs> that factors that and, and the more traffic a placement generates and the more percentage of high fake traffic it generates, the more... Um, I guess oomph the algorithm gives to um, highlighting that placement as a potential fake driver of traffic. Um, also, if it's a website that generates both leads and online sales, it factors in the fact of whether a sale has been generated as well. Because you can't really fake an online transaction, can no, you? No, um, if you've got the money, you've got the money. Exactly, yeah. And, you know, if someone wants to spend £5 of their own cash trying to add more fakes, then go ahead, keep spending £5. You know, it's money I guess there's in the like pocket. interesting arbitrage thing there. Yeah. <laughs> if you did fake some transactions, does that raise your cpc as a mfa advertiser yeah. enough to yeah. not, but that that's all good for you yeah. if you're generating sales i've not worked on any e-com sites where that's a problem yeah. but i mean obviously if you're running such a tool and you're you know you need to factor that in then obviously factor it in um but essentially if um if there's a lot of fake leads and a lot of fake traffic being generated by a specific placement yet an online sale has been generated at a good return on investment then the algorithm will factor that in and say, so what, you know, I don't care if I'm getting the odd, you know, 
pursue fake leads or fake traffic if an actual valuable sale is being generated. Although to be clear, that doesn't happen very often in my experience. Fake traffic is generally fake traffic and doesn't, you know. Fake traffic is symptomatic of yes, fake bad traffic. Yes, of course. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we need to factor this in just in case. It then looks at the overall percentage of fake traffic and... Um, Obviously, it's more to just fake traffic. There's other things as well, like low engagement that it factors in and lots of other things that I could just prattle on about for ages, but I don't want to bore everyone. So to cut a long story short, um, among other things, it, it tells you which placements are driving the highest quality traffic. So it scores them really highly if they're generating actual leads and not fake leads. It looks at whether it's a potential fake lead or a genuine lead and whether it's generating online sales, um, and if it's not doing that, if it's generating a high percentage of fake traffic, then it gives an urgency metric, if you will, to it to say you need to look at this or exclude it because it's likely just wasting money. And I've recently added um, a new add on to the tool that factors in um, conversion delay. So if someone clicked on the display advert three months ago and then converted three months later into a sale, it does it looks at that as well and um, factors that into the quality metric, if you will, just to make sure that we're we're not just looking at a last click basis. So it's it's coming really useful to me and um, it's it's helped I guess just clarify a lot of ideas I've had had about fake traffic on the display network because a lot of the theories I've had seem to be I guess um, proven through the tool when you see the constant patterns and so to me it's just it's all for me it's all about saving my clients money i don't want them investing money in crap traffic and essentially this is what the tool does that must be one really big if statement you've got there it's the biggest (laughs) nested if statement i've ever written ifs within ifs within ifs it's great um but um one of the other things as well as with all good tools there's a nice basic dashboard to it as well so in real time i can just log in in the morning have a sip of my coffee and say, oh, look, 80% of all fake traffic comes from mobile apps. Take another sip of my coffee and then decide what to do about that. So it's it's just a really nice time-saving tool for me. It's been great. You've also been working on like a location-based tool. I have, yeah. yes. Um, and the reason I've been working on this one is because um, a lot of my B2B lead generation clients obviously service different locations um, and it's really useful to know which locations perform best and you can actually look at that data anyway in Google Ads they have a location report I actually have two location reports the first is the user location report which reports on where the user actually is geographically when they carried out the search and the second one they have is more of an interest location report Now, the problem with that report is it doesn't really tell me what I want to know, which is, did the user enter a location into their search query? Um, Was it a town? Was it a city? They don't really tell you that. They just say whether there was some intent on that location at some point, regardless of whether it was for a search or they'd previously visited the location or not. So this led me to assess one of my clients. I was working on their account and and I spent a lot of time assessing it all and I thought there must be an easy way of doing this. So I just essentially set up a database full of every single town and city in the UK um, and ran a tool that compares whether or not 
a town or a city was mentioned, compares the cost per conversion against towns and cities versus whether or not there was a search for a location mentioned at all in the search query, and then just gives me the results straight away. Um, and it's really handy, especially if you have a client or if you're running an advertising campaign where you've got a limited budget and you want to get more leads, but you don't have any more budget and you can quickly see whether people who carry out a search for a location convert better or worse. So if they convert better with a location, you know you can invest more um, of your budget into getting more of those searches and excluding those without a location. Um, it also helps me to build out campaigns based on location a lot quicker as well. So it's been really useful. And again, I do like a dashboard, so um, I can just run it on a client if I'm curious, and it will just tell me the cost per conversion or the return on investment of people in towns versus cities um, versus whether they typed in a search at all for a location. Um, and then I can just make some really quick wins and, and reduce cost per sale or increase return on investment or make recommendations to the client for their own internal reasons. It's Yeah, it's a really handy tool. So that makes a lot of sense, obviously, especially for local clients, because as you say, Google has moved to this slightly more opaque intention around location-based that, thing. That's putting it lightly. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I do. So, I mean, all, all of these tools you've built, they're, they're pretty new, right? Yes. Yep. Um, I actually was inspired to create my own tools, actually, after listening to Hannah Rampton um, yes. do, a, do a talk. She did that. So, yeah, if you haven't listened to that, so Hannah... Uh, came down to search Norwich in January and did a brilliant talk about using the query function in Google mm. Sheets and showed us some of the stuff she's done. And I think probably if you work in SEO, you've probably seen Hannah's Google Search Console, like Insights Explorer tool. She made it really, really good. Um, as you saw today as well, uh, Google Search Console has actually improved some of the exports you can get from uh, GSC, which is brilliant because I think they've seen lots of people now are making their own kind of front end and analysis tools in Data Studio in Sheets for that for that data. Brilliant. Thank you, Rob. That was really, really interesting. I hope you've enjoyed uh, this podcast. So this was our unlucky episode 50. Uh, so episode 50B, I hope episode 100 <laughs> treats us slightly better and we don't have to have a 100B we'll be back in one week's time again next Monday the 9th of March as usual if you are listening online you can subscribe to us on pretty much any podcast platform you can find and you can find the cert the uh, the notes from this episode at search.withcanda.co.uk I hope you'll have a great week <laughs>